Wake bringing pressure. Leonard cuts it loose for Hagans. In the corner. Did he catch it? He did. Samir Hagans. Leonard throwing for Jordan Moore. And it's caught. Touchdown. Leonard going to load and throw and wide open Calhoun. Inside the 10. Touchdown, Duke. Chucks it for Perry. And it is incomplete. And intercepted by Joyner. I'm just so proud of our guys. I'm so proud of how hard they played. We kept fighting. We kept making plays. Uh, and we just found a way to win. We've been in so many of these games this year. And just for our guys to keep fighting and find a way to win, I'm so proud of them. Here we go, era, baby. Can we get some music? Yeah! It has been a long 13 weeks. But here we are. It is the end of the regular season, and the Duke Blue Devils are 8-4, and four, heading into bowl season. Hello, and welcome to this regular season finale episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, and as always, I'm alongside Josh Cox, Scott Medlin, Jamie Holt, and producer Justin Sykes. And what a way to end the regular season with an emphatically huge 34-31 to 31 win over in-state rival Wake Forest. We've got a lot to discuss as far as the Wake Forest game goes, but of course, before we get into it, here's head coach Mike Elko postgame after the big win. First off, hats off to Wake Forest. What a, what a great football game uh, and, and tremendous fight and grit on both sides of the ball. And, and obviously, you know, that one means a lot to me for all the time that I spent with a lot of guys over there. And so um, hats off to them. Um, they're a great program. They're a great team. Um, Dave does an amazing job with, with what they're doing over there. And so, um, you know, our kids just keep fighting. I don't know how many times we can say it. I don't know how many times they can prove it, um, but they will not blink and they will not stop coming. And uh, man, tonight just kind of epitomized our whole season in that regard. You know, we had our ups and downs at times during the year, the game. Um, there were times where it looked good, times where it didn't look good, but but we just don't stop. And we keep coming and defensively, we were able to make just enough plays to give us a chance. And um, our quarterback is special. Uh, he's had a special year. Uh, he's a special competitor. And every time we get into these big moments, he delivers. And, uh, you know, just hats off to him for him to have the game that he did tonight um, and, and execute the way that he did in the throw game. And then, you know, to our wide receivers, Jalen Coleman had a huge night. Samir Hagans makes a, has a huge night and makes two critical catches to win us the football game, the touchdown, and then obviously the one that runs the clock out. Uh, Jordan Moore continues to make plays. And, um, you know, we've gotten banged up over there on offense. We're thin. We don't have everybody that we had to start the year, but it doesn't matter. They just keep playing, you know, and then defensively, we've made that stop all year. You know, we've made that stop in the fourth quarter when we needed to all year. And, uh, and we did it again today. And, and, you know, no shocker that it was Shaka Hayward and, and Dwayne Carter making the big play for us on defense. And so I'm just so happy for our guys, so proud for our seniors and the guys that just played their last game at Wallace Wade. Uh, I told them all week for everything that they've put into this season and all the work that they put in, they deserve to go out with this win. They deserve to go out as an eight and four football team. They deserve to go out as a five and three team in the ACC. Um, that's how this story should have been ended. And uh, I'm just so proud of them for ending it that way today. And again, that was head coach Mike Elko after the Blue Devils defeated the Wake Forest Demon Deacons 34 to 31. It was Duke's first time beating Wake at home since 2014. 
and the first time they've beaten Wake since 2017 overall. And what an exclamation point to end this regular season. And I speak for all of us when I say we are very excited to see where the Blue Devils will be going bowling at here in a mere probably six days. So, fellas, go ahead and unmute yourselves and let's dive right into it. Initial thoughts on the big win over the Demon Deacons. Well, I'll tell you what, I I told a lot of people after the game Saturday night that we were sitting there at 31-27, and I kept thinking, this crap is not going to happen again. If it happens again, I'm going to lose my stuff Monday night. And thank goodness, we actually got the touchdown to get to that point. We got the stop that we needed that we had desperately needed for the other four games that we had lost. And we were able to enjoy ourselves and be happy at the end. And it's funny. Um, a couple of people had taken pictures of us after the game, kind of congregating up there, standing around. I'm standing up there with just a dumb look on my face because I still can't believe it. I'm just as excited as I can be, but I don't know how to do anything other than it's like, we actually just won. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, shout out to the guys. Great job. Um, it was great to see that Trevor Lawrence yesterday tried to do his best Riley Leonard impression. Uh, Riley was great. Samir was great. Jalen Calhoun was great. Shaka was great. Cam Dillon was great. Big Wayne, the campaign was great. And dude, I'll tell you, it's just, it's, we sat here last year. We were thinking, man, it would be so nice to be able to have a conversation at the end of the season about going bowling. And have, had you asked me 13 weeks ago that we were going to be having this conversation right now, I would have been very hesitant, but I'm telling you, this program still has some bumps and bruises we got to get over as we go forward. But I like where we're headed. I love Coach Elko. love everything that he's done. Uh, man, this coaching staff has been great. Coach Feely has been awesome. And, guys, it's just been an amazing season, and it's been great to be part of the ride. You know, it's been – I don't know how else to say it because people are just like, what did you think about the victory every week when we win? Man, I'm so excited. I don't know what to tell you. I can sit there for 10 minutes and tell you all the great things that happened in the game because I'm so excited. So instead of sitting here for 10 more minutes and talking about the same stuff, I'm going to pass over to somebody else. But, man, I'm just excited that we're sitting here, an opportunity to go to a ball game. And six days from now, this is like Christmas. It's going to be the longest six days as a child ever, waiting to see what's going to happen as a Christmas present gets some wrap Sunday afternoon. And shout out to Coach Elko and his staff. Like, what an amazing job. What an amazing turnaround. Like, this time last year, we were getting beat by 40 points by Wake. I don't think we got beat by 40 points. I think we actually – didn't we keep last year relatively close? And then they kind of pulled away. I, I can't remember. Maybe that was two years ago. But anyways, y'all get the point. <laughs> y'all get the point. We got – we pretty much got our asses whooped. But – um. 45 to 7, Jamie. 45 to 7. Good Lord. Where was I remembering? <laughs> I think I think you threw last season away in your thoughts. <laughs> Maybe it was a nightmare. Um, but anyways, Coach Oko and his staff come in, and they have turned it around immediately. And it's amazing uh, to see on the field these guys. They follow Coach Oko. They've, they've said multiple times, like we've heard multiple guys say that Coach Oko's one of the smartest football minds around, and we can see it. You see his in-game in-game adjustments. You see, and like Scott said, we were just kind of waiting to see this um, 
fourth quarter where we could kind of solidify a win instead of giving it away like we have against Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Georgia Tech. But who else I got to shout out? Y'all know I have to shout out Riley Leonard. Like, who's the best quarterback in the state? Drake May? Never heard of her. Sam Hartman? That dude's legit. I, I will say that dude's legit. Yeah, I remember when he was uh when he was like it looked like we were gonna get sacked and Sam Hartman is like almost on his knees and like tossing the ball downfield or whatever. And and he and, nearly caught the tight end nearly caught it. Yeah. Shout out Brandon me. Johnson on the coverage there. Yeah, exactly. And that was like just an amazing throw. So Sam Hartman is absolutely legit. But Riley Leonard's my guy. 29 for 41, 391, all career highs, four touchdowns. And only to only to three receivers basically. Saturday night, Saturday afternoon. You had Samir Higgins, Jalen Calhoun, two monster games. Jordan Moore with his second game in a row where he was very good. Not as not as big of a monster game as he had against Pittsburgh, but he was still very, very good. And he was getting open. Jalen was getting open. Samir was getting open. They were making spectacular catches. Riley was making spectacular throws. Uh, he wasn't – he didn't have to use his legs like, like we have in the past. But there was a couple of – uh, clutch first downs that I think he ran for towards the end of the game. But all in all, just to be eight and four is amazing. I mean, I know I picked them six and six at the beginning of the year, but did I really believe that we could get to six and six? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that was the homer in me or whatever. But the fact that they proved me wrong and they actually went eight and four is just mind-blowing and amazing. Well, I mean, at least you picked them six and six. Here I sit. Picked them four and eight, and they flipped it on me, uh, eight and four. And uh, so, you know, anyway. Bulletin board material. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But um, echoing what these guys have said, um, heck of a tailgate uh, as that grew throughout the year. Shout out to the hard hat guys for putting that on and to everybody who came and was a part of that. Um, so just a great experience on that note. Um, and then – the actual game. I mean, you guys have mentioned the wide receiving wide receiver room. Uh, it was incredible. And and by the way, we like to do the I told you so's as, as often as we can. Uh, from the from the spring ball on, we told you that Samir Higgins was looking like you know he was going to be in that starting rotation. Certainly, the injury to Eli Pankow kind of thrust him into that even more. But I believe he has shown that he is more than capable. Um, of, uh, of of handling that position. And so just an incredible job by Samir, Jalen Calhoun. I mean, good night. That, he, he was finding the, the seam and that zone, and Riley was hitting him and finding him. Just, I mean, it's amazing the difference. I know Jalen had a good year last year, but it's amazing how, how much better he looks this year. He looks quicker. Everything just looks better. And then I do want to give a shout-out to our guy, Jacquez Moore. Um, in, that, in that second half, um, when we needed to sustain some drives and we needed to hold on to the football, uh, Jacquez Moore found open space, fought for extra yardage, and honestly, in a game where it looked like Jordan Waters for the second week in a row was a couple steps slow. I don't know if he is nursing an injury. It just didn't look like Jordan could find find the hole and just and push through. Uh, but Jacquez did, man, and, and just an incredible game. Uh, that's the beauty of, of having that committee back there in the running back room. But it was really awesome. Hey, the the, the student, Coach Mike Elko, beat the teacher, Coach Dave Clawson. 
Um, and uh, man, I mean, what more can you say? Secondary did, did <coughs> excuse me, a fairly good job on At Perry. I mean, I know he had some catches, but I mean, once again, they're a high-powered offense. But I thought our guys stood up and played well. And uh, man, how awesome was it to come out with a W? And how can I forget? Brian, it's going to come to you next, but how can I forget? Todd Polino, Todd Polino, man crush fully, fully on Todd Polino, 42-yard, 43-yard field goal. He is in man crush zone. Man crush engaged. And to point for that point, too, his dad mentioned that after the game to us, <laughs> yep. just for the record. This is a whole family event, Polino family. Yes. We love we love Todd. And so – um. And we love Grandpa Polino too. Just that's right. So, so at the end of the day, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this um, too. We got some, we got some um, guys returning. Uh, we got some, you know, maybe potential transfer portal stuff going on. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, really, really awesome, Brian. What were your thoughts on the game? Um, well, I mean, I could echo everything you guys said, but I've got a little chip on my shoulder that I got to get off, and you know. Everything was going great until five minutes and five seconds left in the game. I remember the exact time, and here's why. We threw the pick in the end zone. We were down 27 to 31. We still had all three timeouts left. We still had plenty of time. And what do I see out of the corner of my eye? Brian, please tell us, what did you see out of the corner of your eye? I see fans leaving the stadium. Duke fans. Folks, if you have watched this team at all this year, you know they play 60 full minutes. And I'm sorry, that pissed me off. Now, it would be one thing if that interception was something to where we were down 14, 17, 20, like last year. But it wasn't. It wasn't, folks. So my ask of you is this. Give this team all 60 minutes of your attention. If we're in this game. If the game's out of hand, okay, you have every right to leave if you have other plans. But if it's if it's something like that, shame on you. If you left at five minutes and five seconds to go, shame on you. I'm sorry. Because what happened, you probably got to your car, turned on 6.20 a.m., and heard David Shoemate going nuts because we scored a touchdown to go up 34-31. Then our defense came through, and we stopped Wake to, to, beat, to beat them, to beat Wake. Come on, folks. That is our biggest rival right now in football. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Battle, battle for the victory bell in UNC is a huge, huge rivalry. But Wake is our new end-of-the-year rival. This team needs all the support it can get, especially as we head into the bowl game, wherever it may go. But before you come to a game next year, just please think over the analytics of what's happening in front of you. This is not 2020 Duke. This is not 2021 Duke. I don't know what I'm doing with my hands. We're recording. My hands are all over the place. That's my, my only complaint for the game. Everything on the field was great. We had a great time to Josh's point, Scott's point. The tailgate was awesome. That tailgate grew every single game, and we hope it grows even more next year. Because, folks, guess what? We've got seven home games next year. It's going to be fun. 
a lot of fun. So I'm going to stop because my, my arms are going everywhere. Yeah, Jamie? You set me off when you said analytics. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I could have said two more points with analytics. <laughs> hey, look, real quick, a couple more things about the game specifically. Uh, we got to Sam Hartman. Yes. And, 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 and Dwayne Carter had two sacks. I don't know if any of those got charged as half sacks. I know Shaka was with him on one of them. Jamion was with him on the other. Uh, so, I mean, he, he was all over the place once again, you know, showing why he is, you know, the leader of this team. So, the, like I said, I thought the defense did uh, did really well. And we saw Cam Dillon in that game. Um, Cam Dillon got the start in that game at linebacker and played basically the entire game. There were a couple of um, a couple of rotations in with Trey Freeman, which he did a fine job as well. But it was pretty much Cam Dillon and Shaka Hayward the entire game. And so <clears throat> he's earned that spot and he's earned those those reps. I do have one more thing because I love to bring stats to every episode. And I'm sorry for going off on that tangent. But as I stated earlier, first time we beat Wake since 2014 at home. First time in three, four years we've beaten them overall. It's the most wins we've had in a regular season since 2014. The most ACC wins we've had in a season, regular season that is, since 2014 as well. So relish this year, fellas. Eight and four. None of us thought it possible. Mike Elko silenced a whole bunch of the critics, ourselves included. Jamie, maybe not as much because he predicted at least a 500 season. But still, kudos, coach. Kudos to the guys. Jamie, you had something to say? Yeah, uh, you saying the first uh... – since 2014, of having this many ACC wins, like that just goes to show you. Yep. We were going downhill yeah. under David Cutcliffe. Yeah. I mean, I know I hate to say, I hate to say it. And we didn't go super downhill. We still won games, but we stopped winning them ACC games. And that, that, that really, that was the beginning of the end. We were riding those non conference wins. Yeah. When you have four right. wins and three of them are non conference wins or whatever, that's just, yeah. Yes, Scott. You spend two months there with nothing. But look, the only turnover we had was the pick where basically the guy took it out of Samir's hands. That was just a great defensive play. But we won the turnover battle again, I believe. It was two to one. Um, one fumble on the season. One. Mm. Riley Leonard stayed clean for the most part. He did get hit once or twice. But the last four games, Riley has had so much time back there in the pocket. And that's part of the reason why he was able to throw for 391 yards. Because yep. a lot of those drives – and there were plays that Wake Forest, if they don't make the great defensive plays, that there's more touchdowns on the board. Because there was one drag route where sideline in front of Clawson all the way to in front of us where the defender just got his hand in there barely to stop it. Yep. But that was a great that was job. Jordan Moore, I think. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. It was Jumbo. And I'm glad we won for this reason. And no, not trying to do anything and no shade here. Cam Dillon will see that pass that he dropped. <laughs> but we won. So I think that'll go to the back of his mind now. Because he and was playing a great game, hit him right in the hands. It is and what the it thing is. is uh, you remember we were sitting there watching that. And it looked like he had a lot of green yes. in front of him. I don't know. I don't. I don't think he would have returned it for a ninety-yard touchdown or anything. But it was. He had a lot of green to to run. If you guys saw on Twitter, 
Speaking of stats, I don't know, Brian. I, we can see Brian like I've got looking, one more. Sorry, <laughs> looking through physical paper <laughs> for stats. I didn't Going know if we school. did that anymore, but um, <clears throat> but here uh, we tweeted this out um, earlier over the weekend, actually. But here are the regular season numbers, uh, just some of them um, as we researched. We wound up third in the ACC in fewest penalty yardage, fewest penalty numbers. We were first in the nation in fumble recoveries. We were fourth in the ACC in rushing yardage. And by the way, we were second all the way up until the last two weeks. So we wound up fourth. Listen to this one. Shout out to the big guys. First in the ACC in fewest sacks allowed. Shout out to that O-line. Pancakes everywhere. Second in the nation in turnover margin. Second in the ACC in turnovers gained. And this one may not seem like a lot until we until we tell the caveat here. We were 73rd in the nation in total defense. That may not sound great until you realize that last season we were 131st, last in the country. And so we jumped up. Let's see, that's 30 plus 27. 57, good night. 57, 57 58. Yeah. 58 spots we jumped up. Imagine if you made – Imagine if we make another huge jump. I'm not even saying 58 spots next year, but imagine we make another 20, yeah. 20 spots or 30 spots. Jamie's like, already looking for ways to drive to Pasadena for the uh, CFP uh, title game. <laughs> <laughs> Bring on Alabama. Well, well to, one more point, Josh. Are you done? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. You're, you're oh, up. Okay. You, so were just, work, well, you were looking through that book, man. I got to let you. I, I was. I didn't find what I wanted to find because uh, it was either you or Scott mentioning only one fumble for the season. I mean, that's got to be a Duke record. I'm sorry. That's Well, that's we know it it's one fumble from the running backs. I don't okay. know. I don't oh, think, okay. Okay. I don't think uh, Jalen fumbled. Jalen lost it in Miami. Jalen fumbled. Yeah. Only one fumble from the running backs. Yeah. Okay. All right, so this really quick, and then we'll we'll get to your uh, mailbag questions. So last year, we only averaged twenty three points a game. That was a hundred and second in the in the whole nation, right? We gave up almost forty points a game, which was a hundred and twenty seventh out of a hundred and thirtieth. All right, that was last year. This year, we were averaging thirty three points a game, thirty sixth best in the country. Defense was only giving up 22 points a game, 38th best in the country. Top 50 offensively and defensively when it came to points. How about that, folks? Hey, a caveat here to what he just said, too, if you listen to it. We were trying to figure out in the preseason episode when and how many times we would score 30, period. Yep. Right. I specifically remember it because I said Pitt because everyone else said Georgia Tech. And mm-hmm. I said Pitt because I remember they were high-scoring games, and that was the only game that we went over 30, if I'm not mistaken, last year. And so, mm-hmm. man, shout-out Kevin Johns, man. I want to give you a hug, dude. <laughs> yeah, so the 30 points, right? Stay dude. I- I'm going for the season. Temple, Northwestern, A&T, Can- uh, not, not Kansas, sorry, that they scored 35. Virginia, UNC. Miami, Boston College, um, and Wake, all over 30 points. Eight of the 12 games. Eight, baby. We got the Ocho. And how many wins do we have? Ocho, baby. There we go. There we go. (laughs) Yep. But but we could gush over this team and over the Wake win. I mean, the whole episode could be about that. But we've got to move on because, as always, 
We love to answer your questions. And as we close out the regular season, we're going to have this mailbag. And we might have one mailbag at the end of the year after the bowl game. So with that being said, Jamie, go ahead and kick us off. Let's get the regular season mailbag underway. The ender, that is. The ender. Um, the up and ender. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna go to Twitter first. And at Splash Obi, Tyler. Uh, updated bowl projections. Also, what is the process for getting selected for certain bowls? And we're going to send this to our own bowlatologist. Brian Kennedy Lunardi. <laughs> I will say it is this is going to be like selection Sunday come December 4th after doing my research. And thanks to Joe Giglio. Giglio, I'm sorry if I butchered your name and you actually listen to this. I reached out to him because he has yellow pad predictions every year for bowl games. Unfortunately, he had to retire the yellow pad this year because he lost his contacts and his inside sources with bowls. But with that being said, we have two tiers other than the college football playoff that pick ACC schools to go to their bowl games. And I'm going to list them in order, starting from the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl gets the ACC champion. Then it goes Cheez-It Bowl, then Gator, then Dukes Mayo in Charlotte, Sun Bowl, Pinstripe, Holiday, Fenway, which we know we're not going to because of finals, Military, and Gasparilla. On Saturday, I thought it was based off of overall record. I was wrong. Folks, these bowl committees are like guys at a fantasy football draft. This is how it goes. Every bowl game or every bowl committee writes down their top three schools from each conference that can play in that bowl game. And when it's their turn to pick who they want, if the number one team's still there, they'll reach out to that team. If the number one team's not there, then they go to two, from two to three, and so on. Here's the kicker, and Joe, help me out with this one. If you have a nine and three team, and you have an eight and four team, you can pick the eight and four team over the nine and three team if the bowl committee thinks that they will sell more tickets because of the fan base, as well as the geography of the bowl location. So, with that being said, really quick, I said this on Twitter after we posted on the Duke Football Talk tweet. I'm going to run down who I think is going to go where. And it has changed for me. Here we go. I think Clemson's going to beat UNC. Shocker. They're going to go to the Orange Bowl. With that, UNC will go to the Cheez-It Bowl. Florida State, this one's going to be an easy one for the Gator Bowl committee. They're going to ask them to come over to Jacksonville to play in the Gator Bowl. Here's where the fun begins. The Dukes-Mayo Bowl picks fourth. Now, the other thing I forgot to mention with the ACC is Notre Dame does fall into these categories. Even though they don't want to be an ACC official partner, they get all the perks of being affiliated with the ACC. With that being said, though, I think Dukes Mayo is going to pick NC State. It's an in-state school, and they travel well. So what about the Sun Bowl? That's fifth. I don't think they're going to call Duke's number. I think they're going to call Notre Dame because of that fan base and how well they travel. You want to sell tickets? Get a traditional powerhouse like Notre Dame, if you pick them, they will come. I think Pitt will go to the pinstripe because of their geographic location. I initially said Duke would go to the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, but I'm changing it. I think Wake Forest is going to get the call before Duke does. 
to go out west. I think it's going to be a toss-up. Then you have the Fenway Bowl. Again, we aren't going because of school finals. Syracuse will go because of the geographic location. Here's where the fun begins. A lot of people think the Gasparilla Bowl is still in play, which it is. We could get jumped by a lot of seven and five schools by bowls. I think right now, as it stands, Duke will get the call to go to the Military Bowl in Annapolis, and here's why. Annapolis is in between Durham, North Carolina, and New York, or Duke North, as we like to call it. So you would have a bowl game in between two geographical locations that house a lot of Duke fans. So I think Duke will probably get overlooked by some, some higher-tier bowls, but we'll get the call to go to Annapolis, and we'll play an AAC school. So I know that was a lot of Duke fans. I'm always happy to explain it off, off uh, camera, off mic. If you want to tweet me, please do. Trust me, it took me a while to break all this down. But, guys, I'm telling you, Sunday is going to be like Selection Sunday. And I think Scott was saying this before we got on. It's probably going to be around 2, 3 o'clock before we know our fate. What well, if it's, and, uh, go ahead, Jimmy. What if it's Duke ECU in the military bowl? That'd be... That would sell a lot of tickets. Yeah. That would because that would definitely sell out. That yeah, would sell out definitely yeah. for both sides, I think. Yeah, I, I am Carolina would travel. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of projections of them going up to Fenway to play Syracuse. But yeah, if you if you can call Duke and we accept if we're still there, and ECU still, oh man, that would be a fun fun game. So, sure. in in fairness to what you're saying, that's leaving Louisville on the outside looking in, really, on those bowls. They would go to Gasparilla. Correct, correct. And so what I what I see it, as you explained this, from from my perspective, you have Wake Forest, Duke, and Louisville, who are going to go to the Holiday Military and Gasparilla. In some way, shape, or form. Yes. And so at the end of the day, you know, we can cross our fingers and hope for the military bowl, uh, but just because of the travel aspect of it. I know as we've talked to players and their families, they'd love to be somewhere down south or out there in San Diego just to experience that. Uh, so we're going to be happy, um, whatever happens, but, um, but, yeah, so you can go to DukeFootballTalk.com, click on the score predictions – I mean, I'm sorry, the bowl predictions uh, tab, and you can see where we think, at least for right now, where we think we may end up, and we need to go on and change Brian's because uh, we had a different bowl on there for yeah. Brian. Again, because I was waiting for Joe to get back yeah. once he did, because I, I truly thought it was – if you're a 9-3 school, you can't have an 8-4 leapfroggy. Or if you're an 8-4, you can't have a 7-5. But Joe made a good point. It's at least a two-win buffer. So a 6-6 six and six can't take over an 8-4 and four as far as who gets the call. But 7-5, 8-4, fair game. Jamie? Who's just say, who's just oh, say by sorry, Friday, Scott? too? I was going to say, who's just say by Friday we may change our mind? Yeah. Yeah. And Sunday's going to be interesting because – I don't think they're going to list all the bowl selections on one screen. They're going to go, okay, for the holiday bowl, it's going to be such and such against such and such, and we can start marking bowls off. So it'll become a lot more transparent as we get closer to probably that 2, 3 o'clock hour. All right, Jamie. All right, so uh, Brian Lunardi finished up his uh, bracketology, <laughs> bowlatology episode. Um, at Diablo89122 says – what should be the trophy for Wake versus Duke going forward? A big tobacco leaf? A golden backpack? And I know we talked about this before we came on the air, and Brian said a golden bobble, which was hilarious. Hey, man. <laughs> I mean, you, well, got you, the you had the Baptist, you had the Baptist versus the Methodist. 
I mean, I mean, it's not a bad idea. I mean, you look at the Big Ten. Some schools are going for like three trophies in a season. I don't see why not. If that's going to be our end of year rival going forward, make it fun. And Wake has been our rival for in football for a while now too. Like it's always been Carolina and State in football. It seems like it's been Duke and Wake and Wake and football. Now, and guys, correct basketball is Duke Carolina, obviously. Yeah, correct me if, if I'm wrong. State, UNC, Duke, they all play against each other going forward, right? Every year. Well, Duke plays those three teams. They yeah. don't necessarily play each other. Carolina does not play Wake every year. They play Virginia. Yeah, I think State and Carolina will play every year, though. State and Carolina will play every year. Right. And Wake and State will play every year. Right. But what I'm saying is this. We might need to take Wake out of the equation. You might could have a tobacco road trophy, like a Commander-in-Chief Cup between mm-hmm. Army, Navy, Air Force. Duke, UNC, and State, now that they play each other every year, whoever's got the best record wins a certain, like, tobacco leaf trophy. You know, not to take away from what Charles was asking, I still think Duke and Wake could have a a trophy, but especially Duke, UNC, and State, now that they're playing each other every year, might as well introduce something. Yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be fun for sure. I think anything that kind of adds to the the folklore, adds to the pomp and circumstance of a game, I think it's great. What's next? Peter Dodge, he's like, what's on the mind of many but troubling to few? He's uniform combinations. He wants to know who proposes and who decides. Oh, man. So that's – y'all know we have, like, inside sources and we're at practices and we talk to players and we talk to staffers. We do not know who actually makes the call. It, I, I will say this. I don't believe it's the players. We used to think it was the captains, but it's not. Uh, at least if it is, they are, they're they're throwing us off with that. Um, so I don't know if it is just the at Duke FB equipment uh, guys who make that call or if it's Coach Elko. I don't know. Obviously, there has to be some sort of communication with the opposing school because we have to make sure the color, color schemes are, are unique enough. So that that's a wonderful question, Peter. I don't have an answer to it. We know there's Brian's a, uniforms are. Yeah, there's a man doing? behind the uh, the curtain, like the Wizard of Oz. I, I don't know either. I thought I had heard at the beginning of the year from someone, and maybe I'm just thinking this up that it was Coach Elko. But in years past, to Josh's point, we had heard the captains make a decision or the team votes. No one really knows. Trust me, there's some weeks where we're going, man. Whoever picked it, kudos. We love it. And then there's some weeks to where we're going. Did someone just close their eyes and throw a dart at a dartboard with different colors? Because this one doesn't make sense. Like well, we know days. Coach Oko at least has some uh, influence because didn't he say he didn't really like the script? Yeah, we heard and he wasn't a script guy, and we haven't we haven't so, seen the script all year. So we haven't seen that all year. So, but well, we do know that the a staff Hellraiser. guy walked by the tailgate the other week and said, "Uh, I've known what the combination was going to be for over two weeks or something <laughs> like that." So. I know it's now common knowledge. We don't know. That's the answer. We don't know who, who makes those calls. We will do our best in this offseason to figure out who it is, and then we'll let you know. All right. Next question. Jamie Hagler. Hey, <laughs> shout out to our sponsors, Comfort Mechanical Contractors. I am currently wearing a hat of theirs. And there's no tell of the tape this week, so perfect. <laughs> there's, there's your uh, plug. Does this season set the bar for Duke football going forward under Elko? Scott, take it. Uh, I would say for next season, yes. I, I think if if we can get seven next year with the schedule as it goes, I think we will be very excited. 
we get eight next year, man, we're going to be really excited. And I think Elko's name may make it on the mayoral uh, thing for the city of Durham because he daggone should should be the mayor, him and uh, Big Wayne, the campaign. If you weren't at the tailgate, we figured this out on Saturday. Next year, with our schedule, of the 12 teams we have scheduled for 2023, nine of them are going to a bowl game this year. So it is going to be a tough 2023 campaign, but with what we've seen this year, we're up to the challenge. And if for me, want- it's, not, it's not unreasonable to expect a bowl game pr- close to every year at Duke. I mean, I think you can do it. I mean, you look at Stanford, Northwestern, who've had success. Northwestern, not so much lately. They're kind of uh, falling off. But um, a six and six is kind of like that that low bar. But then you have every, you know, every few years, you might have that magical season. You might get nine wins, 10 wins, you know, Here's my thought. Here's my thought on on Jamie's specific question. I still think the standard at Duke, until we are proven otherwise, the standard is a bowl game. Yes, I still think that's the standard. Now, if we if we rattle off four or five straight years of bowl game, bowl game, bowl game, eight win, then I think that that has to raise. But at the end of the day, you know, we don't want to become NC State fans. Uh, where we're always overhyped and we always think we can get 10 wins and we always, and then when we get eight wins, we're disappointed. Like mm-hmm. we don't want to get there. And so like, I think for right now, the standard's still at a bowl game. Um, as, as you guys have mentioned, the schedule next year gets very, very difficult. I mean, that's going to be an incredibly tough schedule. Florida state away, Clemson home, Notre Dame home, NC state, UNC, like we could just go down the list. And so, you know, anyway, I think the I think the standard's still at a bowl game, but hey, leave it up to Coach Elko to raise the standard and call us back in two years and we may say it's it's eight wins every season. I would say this also. Um, and I think a lot of fans with all the names that are coming back, that all the stuff's been announced today, and the more names that'll get announced, that they're gonna think that eight is that we're going to do eight just like we've said, temper the expectations a little bit. This team is going to be good. We still got a couple pieces of the puzzle. We got to put back together for next season, but folks, we got the guy, we got the man for the job. And like he said, I think he said in his press conference Saturday, uh, media folks keep doubting us, please. Hey, one more thing before we move on. At what point do we expect to be in the ACC championship game? At what time? Because no more divisions. There's no more divisions. It's the top two teams, period. So I'm throwing that out there. I think we saw this year that there can be down years in the ACC where we could win 10 or 11 games. And we honestly, we should have won. 10 or 11 games this year, we should be playing. I mean, very easily could be playing in Charlotte right. next week against Clemson. Um, but with like Scott said, I think he just mentioned before, before I started talking, um, the coastal going away, that makes it a lot more difficult. But you can still get your your down year and and get 
get uh, up there to number two or number one if Clemson ever falls off? It looks like they're starting to fall off, but you know, Dabo, he'll he'll probably you know right the ship at, at the off season. All right, moving say on. One more thing. I was going to say one more thing about. Okay, one more thing. Um, with like last last year, you know, I would have thought Clemson coming in this year, I would have been like, oh lord, you know. <laughs> oh Lord! And then I see what I saw this year from Coach Elko's staff and his team. I feel like you know Clemson coming in. You know we're not going to lay down a rollover like I felt in the past what we would do. So I feel a lot better going into next year than I did last year. This time coming into this year, if you know what I'm saying. But anyways, all right. Here's another one we were talking about. I think in the stadium, or we have. We may have even talked about it this past Saturday. At Wallace Wade, 24. Why are our cheerleaders starting chants and hyping up the crowd when we're on offense? <laughs> Lord so, have mercy. Yeah, this this has been something that we talked about in the preseason episode. And all I will say is this. I won't mention them by name. They actually spoke with one of the cheer coaches, I think after one of the games at home, and said, hey, why are y'all cheering while we're on offense? You do know that you don't do that. And the answer they were given was, well, we were told that's what we're supposed to do. Okay. I don't know who told you that. I don't know where they got that information from. But you never do that in football. If you watch your Alabamas, your Auburns, your Oregons, I mean, I'm just going to throw schools out there. Your Tennessees, I know I'm naming a lot of SECs. When their offense is on the field, you could drop a, a pin and you could hear it hit the ground. When the other team's on offense, they can't hear each other. At Wallace Wade, it's the opposite. <laughs> when we're on offense, you're hearing, let's go Duke. You're hearing the crowd, you know, get on their feet. We've got it backwards. And that's something we've got to continue to work on. I don't know who we need to talk to. I don't know how it's going to happen. But it's just little subtle things like that that take away home field advantage in yeah. tight situations like we were in the other night. I mean, and let's be honest, this has been a basketball school for many years. And in basketball, and Cameron, you yep. can still cheer while the team is on offense because you're honestly they want you to because you're confusing the team that's on defense, you know, trying to trying to play you. And the and the basketball, with basketball, they're you know flash a, a, a one or whatever and the, and the guys know the play like there's they don't really have to communicate verbally whereas on the football field offensively they're sitting there cheering and cheering and cheering and Riley's sitting there let's uh let's calm it down let's calm it down he's like I gotta my guy's gotta hear me when I'm barking out you know maybe changing a play or maybe whatever so uh next question this is from I cut. Hold on. I cut his ad off. I'm not sure. <laughs> at someone. <laughs> at, some, at someone. Does Riley have two more years of eligibility? If, yes, if he Jamie, does. If, yeah, if Jamie wanted it, he could have four more years of eligibility. <laughs> so yeah, Riley does not get that extra year of COVID because he he came in 2021 and he did play in more than four games last year. So he did. He was not a red shirt. So he's a true sophomore, so of two years. Well, I mean, truthfully, if he has another season like he had this year, he might have one one more year. So he could pull the Daniel Jones. But yeah, he does have two years of eligibility left. Yep. Do we have you on Facebook? There's another one. There's another one that asked about uh 
about the cheerleader starting chance when we get the crowd. <laughs> uh, we certainly get it. Oh, this is a good one. And we talked about this before. Michael Torbert, what is, ex what is the expected DB position outlook for next year? Will this be the team's weakest link? And we talked about having a dip in the portal again next year. I know Josh can, Josh might want to yeah. talk some about this. I mean, well, as far as the cornerbacks go, we do have Joshua Pickett and Chandler Rivers, who will both be back next season. They both got starter reps. Now, obviously, you throw Speedy Young in there, who started all season, who will be gone. Um, so I think those two guys, I mean, not to say uh, if Coach Elko has shown us anything this year, he's going to play whoever is playing the best. But those two guys will at least head into spring ball having started at DB. And then Brandon Johnson is back at that nickel spot. Um, and so Jalen Stinson is back at one of the safeties. And so what you're looking at really is Duke is going to have to more than likely dip into the portal for that other safety position and some, and some depth there at the cornerback uh, spot. Um, but we do have guys who didn't play a lot this year who have played some in the past, Isaiah Fisher-Smith, Daquan Johnson there in the safeties room. We've got some young guys, uh, true freshmen who who redshirted this year um, on the outside there who we may see play some, maybe maybe some uh, even DBs moving to safety or vice versa. Um, but I do think that it looks like we're going to have to go into that portal for one or two uh, more secondary people. But once again, uh, we were fortunate this year to not have injuries. But I think we could – I mean, if nothing happens, we start the season with Pickett Rivers as our corners, and we have two starters that have really played well this year. I got one more question here because all these others on uh, Facebook are kind of like duplicating some we've already asked on Twitter. Um, Herbert Marcus Lunsford. Says, I know Elko said some of the 31 honored had not for sure made their decision on whether to return or not. What are our chances with Shaka and/or Maurice? And we saw, we already saw Jacob Monk and Jamie on today say they were coming back, and that's that's been that's big time. Yeah, isn't the portal officially open, guys? Yes, yes, it's officially open. It's for old business. and it was hopping on Monday, hopping. So okay. here's okay, number one, it's not our stories to tell. Um, so what we can say from right now is that Jamion Franklin, uh, Jacob Monk, Dwayne Carter, who we already knew, uh, are coming back for sure. Here's what we can also tell you. Jalen Calhoun and Eli Pankol did not participate in senior day for a reason, if you are friends with Duke staffers and you follow Jalen on Instagram, you'll see a share from a staffer about, you know, what evidently what Jalen's plans are. It's not our story to tell. We've heard positive things about guys like McIntyre and others, but we, it's once again, we can't say for sure. And so like, um, you know, what's really cool is that I believe that Coach Elko and the staff are going to actually have to tell some of these guys no, because I think a lot of guys are going to want to come and use that COVID year. And we have 26, 27 recruits coming in this year. We got a bunch of red shirts from last year 
that aren't going to be redshirting this year. But what a great problem to have. You know, think about it. Think what what other every other I'm not going to say every other, but the majority of teams at the end of the season, man, it's a it's an exodus, man. Florida is seeing it like 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 crazy right now. Texas A&M is seeing it like crazy right now. Any of these schools whose coaches got fired or let go or moved to a different school, they see it. You know, people taking off, uh, and Duke's fighting to see how many they can keep. And that's one word we tweeted is culture, man. That is a culture that Coach Elko and the staff are creating. And so what? It's a it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And by the way, the offensive line is going to need some depth. Uh, Chance Lytle and Dre Harris and Jack Burns and John Jalott, those guys, as far as we know, uh, some of them definitely are gone because they don't have another year. Um, but but those guys are more than likely gone. And so we are going to need to add some depth there, whether it be uh, young guys coming up or whether it be through the portal. And so. We've got three O linemen supposed to be coming in that are true freshmen. Yeah, that are on the list of twenty six. It will be interesting. So, looking forward to seeing who who winds up, uh, you know, announcing they're they're coming back, and some of them may not even announce; they may just show back up. All right. Well, that'll do it for this uh, mailbag question segment for this episode. Uh, as I stated earlier, there is no tell of the tape because we don't have an opponent this week. So I don't think Scott had it this week in Duke football already. Or did you, Scott? This week in Duke football history, we're celebrating that we're going bowling, baby. <laughs> there First we go. Since 2018. That's that was right. what happened four years ago. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. So before we, we uh, get to our bowl predictions, uh, we do still have prediction winners from the Wake Forest game. So we're going to do those really quick. And, guys, for the second straight week, we had a winner get the exact score to the game. So, not only do they get a Bleed Blue t-shirt, they get a Duke Football Talk Section 17 football helmet magnet. So, real quick, on Twitter, W. Dwayne Lloyd, and he interacts with us a lot, at DLUX37. Congrats, W. Dwayne. You got the score right on the nose. Duke 34, Wake 31. You will be getting your Bleed Blue shirt and your helmet Magnet and on Facebook, Mr. Michael Torbert. He predicted Duke to win 35 to 31. So he only missed it by one point. Michael, congratulations. I don't think you've won this year. So you will have a free bleed blue shirt on your way. Uh, we'll reach out to you once this episode drops on Tuesday morning. So those are our prediction winners. We will have one more prediction winner or two more prediction winners, I, I should say, for the bowl game coming up here in probably about a month or so, fellas. We're about 30 days away from where we potentially think we're going to be going. So what a what a perfect segue. So we'll we'll close up shop before, but before we do, we'll give our bowl predictions. I've already given mine again. I said I think we're going to go to the military. I do not have an opponent uh, pick because I just thought of this uh, an hour or two ago. So, who wants to go with their predictions? Josh? I'll go um, the same deal as Brian. I got to that conclusion before. Brian, I did not do all of that research. I merely picked it because it was a close drive, and I think it would be a really fun bowl to go to. So, I'm also picking the Military Bowl, and I went with Cincinnati. It's a team that I've seen, actually, in, in multiple bowl projections um, playing um, playing against Duke. And so, I, that's what I'm taking Who's next? All right, I'll go next. Um, I think I had Josh put on 
the Sun Bowl today. Yeah, the Bobo Bowl. The Bobo Bowl. Okay, that's right. So UCLA in the Sun Bowl. And uh, I was going to mention this a few minutes ago. I know it's not a bowl prediction, but I'm going to mention it. That if you want to um, solve the world's problems, you have seven opportunities at the tailgate next season to come before the game and hang out with us. Because we solve a lot of the world's problems during those four to five and six hours before the game starts. The meeting of the minds, yeah. That's a, that's a very valid point there. So you're, you're sticking with the symbol against the... I'll stick uh, with it for now. Like I said earlier, I really think that more stuff is going to get leaked out between now and Friday that may sway the opinion one way or the other because, honestly, we're going to see bold predictions in our sleep for the next five days. Jamie, what you got? I think I'm going to get Josh to change mine. Okay. I think I went some bowl UCLA just like Scott. Yep. And now Brian going through his spill. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go military and versus ECU. Arr. That's what that, I would want to see. That would be, I would thoroughly enjoy that because be I fun. mentioned that yeah, earlier in the season. So. That would be fun. One well, listen, thing- we do want to, go ahead, Brian. You know, one thing I was going to mention, a lot of folks were asking about the prediction winners for the whole season. Not going to do it tonight because we've already had a full episode. I'm going to hold off on that until the bull episode. Here's why. One, I haven't had time to go through everyone's um, predictions. It takes me a little bit. But two, I also want to give a heads up that we do have a winner between the four of us, but we're going to wait a little bit longer. I want y'all to to wait and see who came out. There was no three-way tie this year. I made sure of it. And folks, I'll just, I'll, all I'll say is this. Who won? Kudos to them. They're, they're going to have a nice steak dinner somewhere. We'll, but, but where? We don't know yet. Oh, Unfortunately, the Western Sizzling is not still open. We can't get them. Ryan's like Steakhouse? A $10, a $10 steak, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Golden Corral. Well, the, um, the Cove Holden Beach is where I stick. Yeah, steak, steak exactly. Um, we did want to let you know about a really unique opportunity. We have been able to partner with Coach Elko and his wife, Michelle. Um, we have released a new T-shirt. Um, it's got a picture of Coach Elko on it. After every win, he gets done in the locker room talking, and he always says, turn the music up, and uh, players then dance and do whatever. Um, and so we created a T-shirt, turn the music up T-shirt. Uh, the unique thing about this shirt, uh, we've got hoodies, crew necks, and regular T-shirts. Um, $10 for every shirt that you buy or hoodie or crew neck will be donated to the Elko family's uh, charity of choice, which is the National MS Society. So they are very closely um, tied to the National MS Society. And so you can go to dukefootballtalk.com and hit up our shop um, and you can see those there. Uh, We do have Elko era hoodies and t-shirts as well. Those are not a part of this. Um, they're just to turn the music up ones are. And so we want to encourage you to stop by there. Once again, we think the shirts are really cool. They're very nice. I mean, it looks great, uh, but also it's supporting a good cause. And so we'd love to raise as much money as possible for the national MS society. If you have any questions about that, you can reach out to us. Um, and we'll, we'll be able to answer as much as we can. But like I said, this is a collaboration with us, coach Elko and his wife, uh, Michelle and so look forward to that so go to dukefootballtalk.com for that you can also find our helmet sticker articles our five deep um, articles and obviously links to our podcast um, there you can follow us on twitter 
um, at Duke FB Talk. By the way, Big Game Boomer hooked it up on Monday uh, with the top uh, Twitter accounts to follow for every team. And your boys at the Section 17 podcast uh, were, were, were the ones to follow for Duke. And so we appreciate that. You actually got uh, something right. That's well, right. Sorry. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram at Duke FB Talk. You can find us on Facebook. Our group is 1,100 members plus strong uh, just by searching Duke Football Talk. And then obviously you're listening to this podcast somewhere. If you're listening on Spotify, you can leave us a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can also ask us a question. There's a Q&A section on Spotify now. We got one of those last week, uh, but you can do that. And then if you're listening on Apple, you can leave us not only a five-star rating, but you can leave us a review. If we've earned that rating and review, would you leave it for us? If not, hey, just ignore it and move on. But if we've earned it, we would appreciate it. Uh, I think that's it. That's all the the uh, the uh, whatever we call it uh, as we get ready to close. Shameless plugs, announcements, uh, yeah, all uh, that advertisements, yeah. you name Shout it. Shout out yeah. Comfort Mechanical Contractor since we didn't have a regular spot for you guys. We do appreciate this season's been incredible. Thank you to Jamie and all the team there. Uh, for all that they've done and uh, and and being being on board with us this year, Brian, take yeah, us home, so, man. Yeah, so uh, folks, I'm sorry, I said we only have one episode left after this, guys. We have two episodes. We got to do the preview episode and then the recap episode. Man, I'm losing my mind. It's, I'm already in Christmas mode. But with that being said, go ahead, Josh. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say it's been four years, man. We haven't we we've not done this as a podcast. Yeah. We the, the last time we went to a bowl was before we started our podcast. Yeah, we are definitely in, an, in uncharted waters as a podcast, and we wouldn't have it any other way. But with that being said, we will be back in probably close to a month with our preview episode, and we will dive into all things of our opponent. We don't know who it is. We don't know where we're going. That's the fun of it. But come Sunday, we will know. And with that being said, for Josh Cox, for Scott Medlin, for Jamie Holt, and producer Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy. This has been another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. We will see y'all in a month to go bowling. Hey, Coach Elko, which shirt should they buy? Now turn the music up.